1: I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit.
0: Indian winter spring, host of forgotten things. Summer drew you inside Were you in this barn lodging In a place not your own Mistaking sea for home Why can you tell me please For I've up early
1: my sister on Bill McKay is a wondrous guitarist, songwriter, poet, and singer based in Chicago, Illinois. Well regarded for his various bands and projects within the realms of folk, avant-garde, and experimental music, Bill's label home, Drag City Records, has released two new records of his in 2019, a solo album called Fountain Fire, and a collaborative album with Katinka Klein called Stir. Ahead of shows in Milwaukee, Chicago, Iowa City, Rock Island, and Galleon in November of 2019, Bill and I had a nice talk about his musical history, the state of the world, the fate of cultural creators in the free digital age, his latest records, and more. A part of the E1 Podcast Network, with the support of listeners like you, who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control, plus in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 505th episode of Creative Control, featuring the great Bill McKay, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi Bill, how's it going? Hey good V how are you? I'm well. I'm well. It's nice to speak with you. Uh
0: yes indeed, you
1: too. Now where in the world are you?
0: So I'm in uh Chicago. I am in uh pilsen neighborhood, uh where I've lived with my wife for oh probably fifteen years. Fifteen years. Something. Okay. Okay. Yeah, something like that. We're from we're from uh, Pittsburgh originally, but I've we've rambled around a bit too. So we've been a bunch of places, but uh yeah, Chicago has been kind of amazing, so it's it's been a hard place to leave, you know.
1: Yeah, no, it is a it's a wonderful city. It's one of my favorite favorite cities. You say you're originally from Pittsburgh? You grew up there?
0: Yeah, pretty much. It was one of it's kind of I call it my spiritual hometown. You know, I kind of my adolescent years, um there was some years in Rochester, New York, too, mm-hmm. but uh they were sandwiched on either side by by Pittsburgh. So, uh especially like my kind of adolescent teenage years and and that that were important, you know.
1: So does this, that, that, that I, I can appreciate that. Does did Pittsburgh have a vibrant arts community when you were coming up there? It's not, I know there's people from there that we would know, right? Like, uh, yeah. Like Warhol. <laughs> yeah. Like Andy Warhol.
0: <laughs> not to start too big. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was
1: Michael, Michael Keaton from there? The yeah, actor. Yeah, you know, that's funny. I
0: think he is from there Yeah, and I, and I, I never think of that, you know, although I liked some of his, uh, some of his films, but, uh. But yeah, he's from there, I believe. I think that's Um, right.
1: I I can Google. I'm not going to Google it while we're talking. That would be rude. But I think, yeah, let's Google it together (laughs) later. (laughs) (laughs) I think he is from there. And a successful, uh, successful hockey team. I know that the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's
0: right. Yeah, Yeah, very, very. uh, Yeah, they're one one of the the competitors. The main, the main competitors. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite a sports town in that way. Yes. Um, Yes you know, they've always had a strong arts, uh, different arts communities, you know, arts have been really strong there for a long time. There was of course that big dip in culture in general, I think in the, after the steel mills kind of, you know, the early eighties mm-hmm. or so they started to collapse. And then that was a, you know, that was a good, probably like 25 year process of coming back from pe- large exodus of people leaving, you know, and, and jobs being super scarce at all levels. Um, but, uh, you know, then they've since sort of transitioned to be more of like the worked on their strengths, I guess. Right. And there's there's more corporate headquarters and stuff like that, too. But like the universities are really strong. The medical system or systems are really renowned, you know, and lots of people go there for certain surgeries that they only do there or or that they have done a lot of there so that the, the, there'll be people experts in those fields and stuff.
1: Why why um, why would Pittsburgh be the the hub for such things? I, I I don't know is it geographic? Is it in the center more than other? No, it isn't really. Where why why would that no, be? No, it's Bill? in a weird spot. I don't know <laughs> Vish. it's a weird thing. I
0: think that's what I, it contributes to the mystique of it to me, you know, that besides the topography and the and the and the weirdness of the kind of dialect even. Yeah. But um I think to me I think part of it seems to be that they've always had uh, in a similar way to Chicago, although it's of course smaller and much different, but um, is very working class oriented too. Yeah. Um, but I feel that they've always had this kind of stability, you know, except for the kind of cataclysmic events, like I mentioned, yeah. the collapse of the steel industry and things like that. But in general, there's been this very, this for steadiness to it, you know, It's and it's a pretty, for a city in the U.S., it's got a definitely older population. It'd be almost like opposite of like somewhere like Portland, you know. Right, right. So, right. So. yeah, in that way, I think there's been those kind of supportive forces and uh I think what what it was is that those except for those ruptures, there's always been a strong arts focus and uh especially jazz, you know, was very big with like uh uh people like Billy Eckstein, Billy Strayhorn, let me see Ahmad Jamal. Yeah. I'm not sure about Dinah Washington, but there's there's just scores of people from uh various uh important eras of jazz, you know. Well and that's that's a big thing.
1: It is a big thing and and it brings us to you a little bit. I think you've become a very difficult artist to kind of categorize and classify. Some think of you as a jazz musician on some level. Others would say folk rock uh you know uh what you know uh, you're a guitar player prepared guitar maybe like how do you what do you think of your bill what do you make of yourself yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) where do you fit (laughs) my
0: my long efforts to confuse people have come to fruition and i couldn't be more excited (laughs) (laughs) Um, is is there is there
1: jazz within you let's start there you were talking about jazz is that in is that within you
0: there is. Yeah. Yeah. I had some, uh, actually in Pittsburgh was where I had a few influential teachers. Um,
1: one whom I'm
0: still in contact with and friends with, but there was Joe Negri and then Eric Susoff, who was, uh, kind of a mentor to me and is, uh, a friend. And, uh, we, so I studied some jazz briefly with both of those guys and, you know, also classical with a guy named Kevin Morse when I was in Rochester as a kid. But, um, yeah, so there is that in there and it was just in something I heard around the house a lot as a kid. You know, the folks were into pretty varied music, you know, it was a lot of like uh, jazz, classical, Broadway, that kind of thing. Hmm. Um so th- they were pretty open to different stylings and um so it was kind of in my in my ears and my blood a little bit from that. And so it was uh I never felt like I was a purist of, of that style or maybe any style. Um because there were so many interesting things about about all of these different uh, avenues, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah that yeah, that, that, that comes across in your in your playing, in your aesthetic, and the records I've heard. We're ostensibly talking today, uh, because you've released two records recently. One of them is Fountain Fire, uh, which is uh, more of a... How would you describe this record? How would you characterize Fountain Fire?
0: Well, that's an interesting one, because that one I feel like is... Uh, is I feel like it's getting closer to uh this kind of it's hybrid and also getting closer to i don't know it's kind of a departure but also getting closer to some of my roots and you know it's the first one in in since the old days of tapes and stuff where i where i sang on it yeah i always had these like vocal songs going on but uh they didn't really mix into any of the groups that i was sort of founding when i came here so they kind of remained as a as a subterranean project, mm-hmm. and I was so excited to kind of that it just felt like the right moment to bring it back, and they and they fit with everything else to me pretty seamlessly. So it doesn't seem, you know, they just seem to have the same home on the record as anything else does.
1: You know, I've had a f- um, I've had a few conversations recently with artists who normally write lyrics and sing, and they've gone the opposite way. They've made uh-huh. they've made instrumental music, and I. The way I framed my sort of curiosity about this to them was, you know, we're living in a very outspoken time. People have a lot to say, and for some reason you, and I'm not saying that this is the case for you right now, but I would say to them, you are known for making, you know, really wordy, thoughtfully crafted, you know, songs with lyrics in them, and you've gone the opposite way when we need to hear from you. And right. So, yeah. I'm curious about your. You're saying your singing is back, or or more prominent than it has been in the past. What What yeah. do you, you suppose spurred that on?
0: I ah. Yeah, that's a really. Uh, that's a very interesting uh, way to think about that, or <laughs> that to raise that, is actually makes sense because I think there is something in what you would have said to those folks. Yeah. In in the in me bringing it back, you know. I I think at some point I was feeling like. It was uh i was feeling unbalanced because that side of me wasn't really being expressed publicly you know Mm -hmm. and wasn't really uh having it's uh um there were those kinds of songs that i wanted to be out there and have those melodies and and words but also yeah the words and to be expressing something that was visceral in the way that you are you can be with your an instrument that's part of your body Right. I guess I would say, although the guitar, I really don't feel is that different. You can be very lyrical and really vocal with it too. But uh, yeah, it was certain. It was time to like to say more or say something in a different way. Hmm. So for me, it was kind of opposite.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it seems that way. It seems that way. And do you, do you feel like the songs on Fountain Fire reflect our time per se? I, I mean, I, I keep b- being kind of haunted by your song "Birds of May." It's imagery of a train and a a sister on a train. But then by the end of the song, it's a killer on a train. Your killer on a train or the singer's killer on a train. And I'm just like, whoa, it's very dark. That's a dark turn of phrase yeah uh, and it's a, and it feels kind of you know like dark times do you feel like this is reflective of what's going on in the world to
0: some extent yeah yeah i do i really do i think a lot of those things you know how it is being because i've i've know some stuff about you yourself too as a musician and things like that i've been listening to some stuff which hopefully we can talk about too oh um and uh and uh can get to but yeah i to to answer that I think that it would be for me I think hard now to not have some of those things resonate it'd be like trying not to you mm-hmm. know in your poetry or your writing not that everything is obviously we have all these uh, different episodes and vignettes in life right and these colors and yeah. stuff happening so it's it's great just to be writing anything that seems genuine to you I think but to me yeah I feel like I can't divorce myself from those from the heavy uh the heaviness of the times that we're in and and it's just such a fractious, crazy time. Yeah, it's uh, an era, right? Um,
1: yeah, you were talking about Pittsburgh having to weather these sort of uh, economic storms, socioeconomic storms. Yeah, but it feels to me—I mean, it's—I it's obvious to say your whole country is now weathering this kind of storm. Oh, definitely. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's—it seemed like a psycho, just a psychodramatic, um, you know orgy <laughs> <laughs> you know in the last last several years especially
1: you know? <laughs> subscriptions like, to psycho psychology today have spiked yeah yeah we, we yeah. <laughs> everyone's just trying to figure <laughs> right. this out yeah 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 exactly yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah I, you see you know it's, it's kind of like i think where you see also this. you do see this emphasis on those things too like even even people who are going the way where to me, I feel like my music and what I'm interested in tends to go towards a little more visceral as a as a counterpoint, you know, to yeah. try to understand what's happening. Um I mean, I listen to all kinds of things, but but just as a general like trend or approach. But uh, a lot of people, you know, it reminds me of how they are getting way into super tranquil music mm. and uh, really um, find some solace. I think
1: some respite. You
0: know, yeah. Some respite, exactly, because yeah. it's, it's like this – it's just – yeah, it feels sometimes insane to live here. It's like a maelstrom, you know? Well,
1: I mean, we yeah. are all watching your president <laughs> – me- uh, you know, I – self Self-immolate? <laughs> it's very disturbing because he's clearly yeah. mentally deteriorating, and, and that's oh, – it, it's completely. not – it's very – it's impossible – I think for most people have any sympathy for that, but it's happening. It, it it's happening in plain sight. He is having yeah. he has some, I think, some kind of frontal lobe deterioration happening. He's slurring his words, his balance is off. He can't he can't walk, he can't talk. Uh, he's repeating himself. Like it, it's very sad. Yeah, and I yeah. do. I, I will say the bright side of all of this is that you know you said it's insane this mailstorm, but I do think mental health is now going to be at the fore of our conversation for a few decades just because you guys elected this weird, this guy who started out as a complete lunatic and now he's just, they're going to have to, I'll just predict this now. Yeah. They're going to have to take him out and remove him from office because he's not mentally well. And no. And and so that's sad. It's sad. That 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 is actually quite sad. It's not, it's it's very likely. Yeah. It's, I, I, if he finishes this term in sound mind i will be surprised uh, I will,
0: yeah i yeah. will be too and i think that's a that's a really uh compassionate and novel viewpoint too because you don't <laughs> see many people talking about that you know it's, in term because it's so hard to be sympathetic you know y- yes. a, that they're such a, a an, an arrogant um and uh, the, who knows? I could say any any number of words that are well, negative. We're laughing.
1: But... We're laughing at the madness of it all, but it is yeah. very much so. I, I'm not a psychologist, but it is it is madness at this point. It's a it's a form of dementia that's it's occurring before us. And like I say, yeah. he's physically and mentally deteriorating. It's going to be and on you know the flip side of this, we know where this is going. He's yeah. going to become a martyr. He's going to be a guy that people sympathize with because of. The bravery he showed. Hey, oh, it oh, makes me so, so frustrated. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, we I was compassionate, and then I got spiteful. You see what happened? That's what this guy does to me. <laughs> right. I, 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 want to have, I want to see him as a human being, but it's very difficult.
0: It's very difficult. Yeah, it really yeah. does. It kind of test, tests tests you, one of those things that tests your compassion, which is a terrible kind of phrase, to even yeah. have as an idea, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does.
1: So we but, uh, we've alluded yeah. to the fact that you have one record called Fountain Fire and you you yeah. clearly are still processing it. You have another record out called Stir, right?
0: I do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to have these two back to back, you know, you don't have that in every year. So yeah. it's kind of a special thing. Um whereas I I never and as I never got to a, a description of fountain fire, I would say that it's it's kind of a you know it's it's got its folk orientation but it definitely is a is an avant avant yeah. rock experimentalist kind of work as well and i i know I've always been as i've said before uh really centered on melody in a lot of ways even in my chaos you know yeah yeah um or yeah. in my what I like about noise probably i'm just projected i project it onto it right. sometimes but right. um or when I hear people play noise i'm I hear melody too often, but, um, yeah. So whereas that one had those, uh,
1: stir, those stir is different as a
0: center stir is different. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you, you, who's your collaborator on stir? Uh, Katinka Klein. Yeah. Right. She's a, uh, just brilliant musician,
0: great friend. Uh, she's a uh, cellist with the CSO here for the last couple decades, the Sy- Chicago symphony orchestra. Okay. Okay. Um, and so you don't get there without being at least a, um, <laughs> moderate, super badass, <laughs> right? Okay, she's at she, least a moderate super badass, right? Yeah, she's beyond that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. How do you um, How do you know her?
0: And she's has uh, we met through music circles here, through other musicians. Um, our friend, uh, uh, who's a, a brilliant saxophonist, uh, uh, Jack Greg Ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met through him probably about ten years ago, and we've been playing for about six or seven together. Oh, okay, do, doing gigs and stuff, and uh, I don't I don't know if I remember. The, Totally, the first gig. It might have been at a bookstore here called Myopic, um, huh. but there's uh, that was an early one. Um, the picture on the back of the album is from if you have the if those of you who have the record, it's uh, is a is picture from that. Okay, from that show that we played the very first one. Um, I think it's one of the first ones, right. if not the first. It's in the first handful, handful. Right. Uh, cool. But she uh, and me went, met, started playing, and we just you know, hit it off and we were mostly doing mm. improvisation and she had this wonderful kind of natural, super organic, you know, uh, improvisational approach to things. And uh, and um, I had had, since I, I suppose since I'd had some classical lessons before, but maybe more because of my ears and, and loving that music and being attuned to it, I liked to improvise in, in styles that were akin to that. To, to classical? Know, er, eras of classical music. Oh, okay but we we you know we quickly branched off or started off branching off you know uh so we were we were touching on a lot of different music i think you know from the early days
1: okay and and, this, and uh, this...
0: she's from the netherlands and you know she's so she has a different interesting different you know cultural history and things like that as well okay yeah.
1: okay so is stir yeah. is stir primarily compositional uh, compositionally based or is it improvisational
0: It's, um, you know, Visha, it's both. It's got, um, I started off with a theme for each piece, um, and most of them or a bunch of them were melodic themes and some were, um, not kind of a mix, not exactly a graphic score, but between that and, and also words and, Mm -hmm. um, notes. So there was a mix of those and some had set melodies, but we use those at jumping off points and for the improvisations okay, and that was uh that's how we kind of approached it, and we pretty much played it straight through
1: i see okay
0: yeah I, th- I believe we did uh, did that I think I can safely say I think we did that
1: now there are yeah. no, there are no um vocals on stir, correct
0: correct, yeah, it's just the the electric guitar and cello, and uh I think we covered uh you know the piece was was written in mind with being uh, related to that Herman Hesse book Steppenwolf okay okay so that was a sort of a you know a book with like all of his books with a with a heavy kind of spiritual uh, about spiritual aspiration and ideas like that and uh, that one always moved me um, like a lot of his books especially as a younger person so so I'd always for a long time wanted to do something related to it I see so yeah so it's uh so yeah is is,
1: is it a reaction to his book so to speak
0: well, it's funny when you're doing something like that, I suppose, without the without the word element other than titles. Um, but I felt that it was just because I was kinda of writing it with that in mind, it was like a response to it. I, I suppose it was like a response and, and a little bit of a of a summation. You know, maybe if you were gonna write something that went along with In Cold Blood or On the Road or something, you might yes. you know, include a dramatic arc that kinda of echoed the book or something. Right. Yeah, sort of like that, in that way.
1: So, what we were talking earlier about how our modern times may have inspired you to say certain things, uh, as well as play certain things on Fountain Fire? What does Stir say about modern times, so to speak? Is it a reaction of, uh, you know, you mentioned Steppenwolf? Like, does any of that resonate, or or is there a corollary between this record, that book, and what we were just talking about?
0: Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I I would say right off the bat, my feeling is is yes. I guess for various reasons, um, uh, one I think being that in the it's these times of crisis and struggle, right, that bring out like our most fervent sort of uh, uh, I'll say again aspirations, yeah, you know, and and search for meaning and search for like conclusions or, or how to figure out things, um, how to deal with these incredible tensions. Yeah. So I feel like that. I feel like that's that's those things spilled into this work and um and there are also many tranquil lyrical moments and things like that uh, which to me are kind of like meditations you know between periods of strife um or uh or bur- you know bursts of joy to jumps of joy and and meditation and uh con- contemplation is actually maybe a better word yeah that's how it feels contemplative to me you know in parts
1: yeah, I don't want to be too heavy handed about this and it might be coinc- no. coincidental, but I mean, some of the titles on STIR alone sort of, I don't know, they kind of echo some sentiment or the, a reaction to some of the sentiments that are floating around our our planet but, these days. There's a lot of anti- <laughs> anti-immigration stuff, you know, building yeah. walls, you know, uh, you know n- prohibiting immigrants and migrants from showing up you've got songs here called no one here is a stranger a series of doors path to the peak i mean that's like i say yeah heavy-handed maybe maybe a coincidence but like to me that's the time that's what we got that's what we're living through these kinds of feelings
0: (laughs) yeah no i'm glad that you see that in a way because i I think that to me that's a little bit of a testimony to the the multi you know the multi-dimensional or the multi-nature of it yeah um because those titles to me uh, resonate with the things you mentioned, and yeah. also some very direct connection to the novel. Yes. Um, so you know, path path to the peak as uh, um, could, and the series of doors. Yeah, all of the titles you mentioned, you know, operate in these various ways. But um, I'm glad that that you got that vibe that vibe from it. I mean there's um, a, there's I a... often feel like I'd like to be saying more about all this stuff. You know, we're all we're all trying to say stuff as much as we can. Yeah,
1: it's true. It's true. You know? There's a song on Fire called Welcome as well. There's like a welcoming this is the opposite. The opposite of the insularity that we've been kind of condition to accept from our leaders right now uh i i, I again maybe reading yeah. too much into it but it sounds like i'm not it's, it sounds like it's I don't there i think so yeah
0: i think it's there yeah i'm glad you read away my friend <laughs> um I'm, I'm glad i'm glad that's the case because in, with welcome that's absolutely what i was talking about yeah um you know and uh like i you know one thing that david bowie said a while back i really resonated with me um and it of course my perspective's changing too because now that i've done these put these vocal songs into public my my public artistic bloodstream um uh you know they're they're more like that and i'm gonna do more in that vein oh, okay cool um as well so I'm, yeah i'm excited about that but at the same time you know he said what he he found the idea preposterous that preposterous <laughs> that uh <laughs> he, yeah <laughs> he found it very cauliflower <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> he found it preposterous let's yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah absurd let's say absurd right that uh that people you know would question that an instrumental piece of music like Chopin or something or Tchaikovsky or whatever could be uh, or John Coltrane could be a, a that somebody could make a link that it was about something
1: uh-huh, you know, that, uh-huh.
0: that as if this idea that things always had to relate to the words, I guess, into a textual thing. So I thought that was interesting um, in the sense that you, you got that meaning that I, that I was feeling too from, from the song uh, welcome both the title and the feel, I think.
1: Well, there's a certain t- you know? I've talked about this with instrumentalists on the, the show as well. Like there is a, T- instrumentals have a kind of built-in timelessness to them uh, because they might be they mm-hmm. might be politically charged sonically they might be uh, speaking to yeah. what's going on in any given point in our timeline together but they're not Definitely. tied they're not tied down by clumsy attempts to articulate that um, you know and I, not to yeah. suggest some people are really good at artfully uh, trying to reflect something that's going on that they have a problem with so to speak Uh but, right. but True. in a weird way, you know, we're all going to look back. In a weird way, like if anyone looks back at your instrumental work uh, from this time period, they might look at the year and the same way we might look at 1964 and be like, oh mm-hmm. my, what was going on in 1964 in America, huh? Yeah. That, that's got to be in this jazz record somehow. Like that's got to be. It's just got to, it's, it's part of its marrow that's basically, right. right? Yeah.
0: Exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, completely. And we're doing that with all kinds of eras and yeah. And whole millennia and, uh, and I think correctly a lot of times. I mean, they're the, like, yeah, the, you look at the flip mm-hmm. side,
1: the flip side is you hear a love song from that same period. You're like, how did anyone think it was okay to do a love song? When all, like, yeah. you know, in 1968, oh, like, how, yeah, how like, is it possible? Like, that you thought it was okay. Like, there's so much going on, you know, it's like the flip, flip <laughs> side is also true.
0: Right, right. That's right. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's just reflecting that thing after you've been marching all day and, and revolutionizing. Yeah. And you c- come home and put on some tea and. Then there's this loving moment.
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, we 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 live dynamic lives. Like that that's right. <laughs> that's just as valid, frankly. That love song is just as valid. But it does. I see years. Exactly. Like I'm old enough that I see a year and a historical moment from that year first pops out at me. Like I could be looking at a record, right, and seeing the year it was released. But but I'll be like, oh wow, like, like geez, like 1981. I didn't remember what was going on. You know, like I just sort of think about. Was I do, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Time, Time's weird. Yeah. It's a weird. It's weird. Time is weird it that is way. It is weird. <laughs> yeah, especially,
0: right, because of our, yeah, and the fact that we can track it in this way that seems, that is certainly, like, partly abstract, but also seems really rooted, especially if we lived the years that they're, or read a lot about them or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that we're talking about. It's like, yeah, I do the same. You know, I kind of like cross-reference things. I'm like, wow, this is weird. The Bee Gees were doing this when <laughs> the killing when the killing fields were happening <laughs> <Exactly>. in Cambodia. <laughs> like,
1: wow. Well, I mean, we're also conditioned to f- that same respite you we were talking about earlier. I mean, that's what culture. That's some that's some aspect of the the role the culture plays for us escapism. Uh, Escaping True. the news—it's just—it feels irresponsible to think of it that way right now, as we're speaking right now. Yeah. like it doesn't feel like that's mm-hmm. a responsible use of anyone's time. I guess is where right coming from right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So and
0: it's it and yet it is kind of unfair to to uh,
1: in unfair in the one way.
0: Yeah. That that if you were sort of devoted to one mode of being for a whole week, even you know. It, it would become exhausting, um, or lose its meaning maybe or just be fatiguing. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and you need those kind of waves and stuff and you know, just like people make love during war yeah. war times and yeah. things like that and have parties. Yeah, you need those things. I guess in, in that maybe the balancer is it is to be aware so that you're not like it's not something you're just sort of losing touch with totally, right? the, you're like, you see somebody doing that and you say, that's totally what I don't want to be. Like, I do not want yeah. to be. <laughs> no, that's, that's... Like, I want to re- still realize crazy shit's going on as I'm eating this chocolate cake. Right. And not <laughs> think that everybody has
1: chocolate cake. Exactly. Know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to be mindful. Well, mm-hmm. I want to... We, we yeah. skipped uh, ahead to from Pittsburgh, really, to, to now. And I just wanted to figure out how you got from Pittsburgh to Chicago, and before that even, your interest in guitar. You're a very renowned guitar player and instrumentalist and musician. I'm just curious what spurred you to get into playing music, and maybe who or what influenced the way you decided to approach music on your own.
0: Oh, yeah, that's good. Um, Yeah, I like to think about that, because a lot of it kind of relates to the family and to my dad specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of it went back to him because he was a trumpeter and he later became a patent attorney but he always wanted to you know he kind of like underneath it all he wasn't a bitter person in any way or like a dream he didn't fulfill but he was um you know really enjoyed the idea of being like a trumpeter right and would have happily gone into that had things been went that way but he was you know both my folks were really encouraging my playing and i think it was just from having music around in the house and um somehow I got the idea really early about playing. I, I think when I was three, my mom said, I said in some halting way, of course, everybody at three speaks in a halting way. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> of course.
0: <laughs> <Kind> of, <laughs> um I said something like, I want to play the violin, Um which he thought was significant because of my age. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have instruments really in the house yet, but I started playing at nine and, uh, I think it was, you know, kids in the neighborhood seeing them play guitars and then, you know, the early, kind of the early rock and roll that was, that people were playing at that time. Yeah. And, and uh, whether it was like Beatles or Kiss, you know, all kinds of stuff was kind of happening. And that was uh, in Rochester, New York that I started playing. And, uh, you know, it just kind of snowballed from there and I was pretty, pretty devoted to it early on. It was kind of like my thing and i think uh, it was only a couple of years later that i was sort of would be my mom would be away quite a bit because the folks got divorced and she would you know and she uh, had the would be at her boyfriend's place and we had the house pretty much to ourselves so my uh, brother would would throw some fairly wild parties and uh i remember after several hours of of people playing records they would have never you know at some point would be like hey billy just play guitar and so i um after a while I'd learned a bunch of tunes and would have some of my own pieces, you know, and I'd play. Huh. So I kinda laugh about that now. It seems like it was early early prep for for doing these solo shows that I've been doing on and off forever, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. you did you have aspirations uh for any kind of populist music per se? Uh did you did you have that feeling of like I want to be on the radio. I want to write a hit song. I want to, you know, you. I I, th- I, think of you as something of an underground artist, I suppose. Um, but did you have those aspirations at any point?
0: Um. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I think I really did early on because the early, early uh, heroes were, you know, whether it was a lot of stuff on the radio, whether it was David Bowie or the Beatles or Hendrix, you know, yeah. or the Talking Heads or... Or whoever, and uh, or Miles, you know, it was all this music. There yeah. was the jazz stuff too, and the Miles Davis and Aretha Franklin, and all these people. So I think I, I definitely did, and uh, yeah, it kind of just stayed with me, and I, and I just it kept permutating. Hmm. Um, I wonder about the uh, the guitar in some way. I remember seeing a guitar in a store, and I was with my mom, and uh, just a little Sunburst acoustic, and I said. Hey, would you buy this for me? I think it was like $20. Yeah. And, uh, she said, yeah, whatever. Yeah. We'll, we'll get it. <laughs> and sure. Like, you know, yeah, you won't do anything with it, but it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, maybe she was tickled. And, uh, the woman who sold us the guitar, it was like a department store or something. Like, like and a, was it a harmony, her, harmony or something? It wasn't, but something like that. Okay. Yeah. Something kind of like that. Very steely sounding. Hmm. Kind of cool, early that kind of sound, right? And uh, I remember she handed us a card and said her uh, her husband taught guitar and his name was their name was Clark, Mister Clark. Okay, and uh, so uh, that was interesting because that's who we you know that's who we ended up calling to to have my first lessons. And, and, and sorry that was if I was too much too much information. No,
1: no, no, no. That's what I asked. I oh, wanted great. to know. I'm just I'm always curious where people sort of start from and and how they got yeah. to where they are, and that's why I asked about the populism too because you we we're talking about two records you released this year and they're they're in their own way a bit challenging um you know they're i think mm-hmm. i find them very fascinating but some would find them challenging and i i always yeah. i wonder about that impulse to make something that is a little askew that's all i mean and you oh men- sure you mentioned the beatles and kiss and That's not what your records. Well, I mean, maybe they sort of sound a bit like some Beatles stuff. (laughs) Yeah, there's probably probably it's all in there there
0: somewhere. Yeah, Yeah. this last one, like Welcome to me, sounded like a little bit like Big Star for a second. Yeah, yeah. um, Who I love too. uh, So you have a pop. There's um,
1: some pop in you. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, there's a pop in there. I think the Darts and Arrows band had a a bunch of that. There's some of it on the Esker album too that was on Drag City, the the earlier solo one. Right. Um, 2017. I think the Darts and
1: Arrows group had. Sorry. That sorry the asker record came out what 3 2 years ago? Something? Uh
0: that was uh, in 17. Yeah. yeah. Yeah 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 Sorry I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. You. yeah. No not at all, not at all. And then uh, yeah, but it's always been there that that kind of melodic sense, but uh yeah, I certainly, you know, just uh, let all these kind of floodwaters and influences and stuff in and let them co-mingle. Yeah. So so uh in that way um I uh it's interesting to me. You know, it's a time of a lot of hybrids too, so it's kind of coming at a yeah. interesting time to have more more public notice of these these latest works, you know. Um because I feel like there's such an openness to uh to different things now uh as yeah. well and people that I never thought, you know, would be ever listening to something like uh Frank Zappa or uh Stravinsky or whatever, you know. Or uh or even listening to some wild, you know, some really Visceral blues like Albert King are, are doing that, and they're just like, oh yeah, it's just you know, or hearing some crazy, really for out free jazz, and being like, oh yeah, it was great, it was jazz. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, people are more people are listening more and to lots yeah. of different music now. It's that that's fair. That's fair. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: so that's been good, but but I do think they they do have uh, some challenge to them as well. So
1: yeah, I've you know. s- I I've seen your name show up in in the thank yous for some of the um i don't know if silver jews records come to mind but definitely i think david thanked you in the purple mountains record i wonder about your yeah association. that was sweet yeah i wonder about your association with drag city i don't really i've not really asked others who are on that label but um about you know yeah. how, how they got involved in some cases like when i spoke with david or will or bill um i would know roughly i kind of have a sense of how that happened but for you how did you enter the fold i suppose with drag city
0: yeah yeah um well it was it was kind of charming i thought in especially because it happened in such an old school kind of way um which is really pleasing to me in a way um because i was invited by cooper crane from bitch and if you know them
1: yeah yeah
0: um yeah who's a, a friend of ours and uh, he invited me to join um a short tour that he was doing with will and uh and it was really, really lovely time. It was only about four four dates or something. And we did two, uh, what was it, two nights in a row in Chicago, I think, started it, mm-hmm. if, if I'm thinking correctly, something like that. And uh, it was a really nice evening, I thought. And it was uh, me playing solo first acoustic and then and Bajas, and then Will and then the two of those entities together for the fourth set. Right. So it was a very nice program, you yeah, know, that sounds amazing. And evening of entertainment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. A spiritually satisfying entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, it was a great time and I just, you know, love those guys and hit it off with well, very, really well. And, and, uh, and so, well, I played my set the first night and I was just, you know, ended up sitting next to Dan Kretzky from drag city hmm. and, uh, and he was like, "Great set, like uh, good to meet you." You know, we met and stuff, and and my wife Cheryl met him, uh, and then uh, we talked a little bit, and then the next night I played, and uh, same thing happened. We just happened to, or maybe we picked the same seats after. I'm not sure. Yeah. And then we talked, and uh, he, I think he asked me what I was working on, and uh, so we just got talking, and I was working on the Esker album, which was, you know, maybe three quarters finished at that point. Yeah. And uh, so he. You know, said so to send it along, and, and and that's that kind of things went from there. Okay. And uh, then very, very uh, organic,
1: very organic in
0: a way. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was really organic. It was yeah. kind of like out of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. So it was really lovely, you know. And then it took a while back and forth, and then and ended up doing some opening shows for Bill uh, Callahan. Yeah. Um, right around the time that uh, I think that they said like, let's do this, you know. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So you do know? uh, Yes, you know a lot of those folks then.
1: I know of them from talking to them on the phone and uh, over FaceTime and texting. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And emailing (laughs) and that kind of stuff. But I wouldn't say I know. uh, Disembodied. Yeah, a little bit disembodied. Yeah. So we know each other from just (laughs) years and years of me uh, (laughs) being supportive of various drag city things and records and artists and. and them also, I don't know, I seem to be on their Christmas card mailing list now. So, you know, oh, excellent, some kind of awareness awareness of one another, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Right. It's a yeah. very good club. Yeah. If you're
0: on that getting the Christmas thing, that's very cool. Yeah, um, I, I, wanna, yeah I really I, enjoyed some of the, the uh, podcasts. Of I was able to hear, The, of course, with David, which is very moving, um, yeah. especially given um, his uh, passing. And, um, I was listening to... Uh, the Susan Rogers today, mm-hmm. um, which was very very funny. Oh, my it's, conversation was interesting. Rogers, right? yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, that was good. Yeah. We did that live. Yeah, yeah, that was fun.
0: Yeah, that's right. It was a different kind of thing. You are together.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, but
0: uh, yeah, there's a. Uh, it seems like um there's. I mean, you've you've done uh, a few hundred, or actually over a few hundred. <laughs> of these the podcast yes is that going away
1: yeah we we just uh (laughs) yeah we're as you and i are speaking we're somewhere just past 500 episodes yeah amazing it's something yes i uh it's uh it's i've been doing this a long time and uh for uh on a lot of it on my own uh some of it with bigger media companies and uh yeah it is right i just keep going and i like I like talking to people like you because I learn things about you and myself and the world and it's helpful I think
0: Likewise. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it is too. Yeah. It, it brings things out of you that you uh, didn't always like uh formulate in a certain way or didn't know uh sometimes you don't know how you feel about something right till you're asked.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I I kind of uh it's kind of great. I appreciate it as a person who's curious about other people and their motivations and I think um, sometimes I worry yeah. it's a little selfish in that I'm trying to learn about someone else's motivations to try to figure out my own. Uh, but I'd let go yeah, of that. Yeah, i think I, about I, that. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, but I also think uh, that's yeah. like saying everyone who's ever had a conversation is that way. I mean, I feel like yeah. <laughs> we, we do. we We are organisms that learn from each other. I mean, that's just the... It's not like every one of us had to invent the light bulb. One guy invented it, and then we all use it. I mean, exactly. that's, that's the yeah. way that's the way ideas work. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <Exactly>. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's
0: so good to remember that sometimes. Exactly. I, mean, I start to feel guilty sometimes for not having invented enough things, you know? Yeah. And everything has gone on so long, and there's so much, and you sometimes feel like you're not responsible enough for, you know, good things in, in the culture or something, and it's just ludicrous. Yeah. It's sort of like some carried over guilt thing, you know.
1: Well, I do feel like that's a good that's an interesting way of framing it. I do feel fortunate. No, there's something wrong with that, I think on some level. I think we mm-hmm. we have been conditioned, particularly in the age of streaming of music to we've been conditioned to think that we don't, as our, as artists or creative people, we actually don't deserve money. Or we don't deserve success.
0: Oh, definitely. And yeah. I think I think it's I, a I am pervasive
1: narrative. Yeah, I'm 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 actually quite wary of how we've fallen for that. Uh, yeah, like like it's some like we have that's... we we're enjoying some luxury by being able to play music or have a podcast <laughs> or whatever. Like it's just some you know lark, <laughs> right? And I think that's horrible. I mean, I. Uh, i i do worry about I that agreed. i think we've fallen for something here um yeah because i i you you know you i appreciate I, so I appreciate you taking note of my show but i make this show for free ostensibly like the media companies that distribute my show make all the money yeah ah
0: uh, yes like i'm producing yeah.
1: content for apple without getting a cent from them you know what i mean like i do it's weird <laughs> oh it's super weird yeah, <laughs> yeah there's yeah.
0: this sort of and i mean some of the things i've heard lately especially sorry'm plugging back in the The power here, the things that, of course, uh, that have come in the wake of of the digital uh, sort of anti-revolution, I'll call it, um, with music and streaming are just incredible. You know, I remember I was really amazed and pleased one time to hear Dan Kretzky talking about, uh, he was talking about something happened very recently, and I'm going to leave names out, but but it was a, a company that owns a bunch of copyrights to people's music, things like that. Yeah. And they had a contract with, the, I believe, a streaming service, and they were lamenting that they should have been able to have a, a, uh, an endless license, not just a seven- or ten-year license, but an endless license of the music rather than it reverting to the artist because, in essence, they were actually more important than the artists who made it, that mm. they were really responsible for the music blah, blah. Wow. Just this really heinous attitude. But there's there's a lot of elements of that out there, so I think it it's... um Yeah, it's a really kind of destructive, pervasive narrative that uh, we see a lot of, and I guess that's the way that you kind of justify thievery, you know, in a sense.
1: Yeah, but then there's all of us just making things because we need to make them, or we think they contribute to the culture, and I, I don't know. I, I don't... F- fight it as much. I I ranted for a moment there, but I'm still producing 500 episodes or so of a show uh, for these companies, ostensibly, you know, to profit off of it. Right. Well,
0: that's that's the beauty of it, I think, is that you have the passion for the thing itself, no matter what, you know, you're not going to stop doing that because it's that doesn't necessarily, the creators aren't necessarily benefiting properly, in this case yourself, and then uh, by implication, many people.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I right. I know that for decades I've interviewed artists uh, who uh, articulate the same things I'm articulating. You know, I have to have a second job uh, to yeah. to be a musician, and you know, we rearrange our tour dates around our working schedules. And for a long yeah. time, I just accepted that as oh, I guess that's just what people have to do. Uh, but yeah, th- now that it's happening to everyone. Uh, you're like, what is the breaking point for this culture? I mean, you know, we we're losing people to it. Um, people aren't. Yes, we're literally, yeah. So it's just sad. Uh, yeah, how hard, how hard this is for some people. Um, Definitely, yeah.
0: yeah. And it's a, uh, and it's not like there aren't you know resources for lots of things that are more more culturally significant or or would actually be more nutritive to people's minds. And, yeah. Um, you know uh, there's plenty of plenty of money circulating around the reality TV industry you know for example yeah, Um, and things like that that are that uh, I know there's all kind of you know value judgments that come into that stuff but if all of that is living a big healthy life reality TV and all of this really superficial crap then then there's certainly some kind of resources for for other things you know yeah I would agree Um, I would agree yeah you know
1: well, I don't, I don't um, want to. I don't want to. Uh, we yeah. were having a cheery conversation at some point. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> and I, I, I want to uh, wrap this up on a on a brighter note. Uh, got, <laughs> we will. You've got you've got two records out, Bill. What are Sorry you? Sorry, if it was me. No, no, it wasn't you. It was me. I went on the rant. Don't worry. No, it was both of us. No, we're being no, honest. We're being honest yeah. about what's going on. That's all exactly. there is.
0: Exactly. No, it's lovely talking with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You too. So, what? You've <laughs> got these two records out this year. What's coming up next for you? Well, you know, let me see, Vish, I'm mostly,
0: I'm kind of been looking towards, you know, I've been sitting on a bunch of songs and, and things that need sort of finished and, and tidied up and then things that are done, but I've mostly been devoting to, to writing and okay. um, I'm excited about that. There's quite a few uh, different songs and, and things and fragments um, that uh, that are on the table and um, but besides that, I I'm kind of looking forward to the shows with Katinka in November. We have a release show uh, in Chicago on the eighth, and uh, we're playing in uh, Iowa City, and playing Milwaukee, and we'll be adding to that as we go, you know, through the winter, right? Okay. and And the spring, yeah. There's a there's a few uh, recording sessions that I'll be doing as well. But um, you know, kind of kind of more of the same, and I've been working on a, this poetry manuscript for a while so that's uh basically done and uh, i translated it also into spanish so i'm oh. i'm kind of really hoping to get that out as well you know that would be a nice thing to do for for 2020 to yeah for next year
1: wow okay i didn't know you that that was you're a poet you're, you're a published poet
0: I'm, you know, I had mostly sort of the chat books, as they call them here, you know, like the uh, self-made yeah, books yeah, yeah, yeah. before, uh, which are co- kind of just minimal copies, that kind of thing, mostly friends. Um, but I've always been writing a lot of a lot of stuff and in different kind of formats. And um, this one um, I is probably the most realized sort of book that I've put together. And uh, I had a reading, uh, there was a reading last night. Uh, with a group here that does a festival called Lit and Loose Festival, which is a bilingual, like Spanish and English oriented festival of writers that okay. happens in Chicago and Mexico City. So I've been affiliated with them, mostly playing music at some of the festivals, but, uh, I was super excited, uh, to be invited to read. And so that happened last night at the Poetry Foundation here. And, uh, I read, uh, actually I translated one of David's. David Berman's poems into Spanish from actual air. Oh, nice. Um and read that which was uh, felt really good to do and I and I read one in English of mine. So I'm hoping to do more of that as well and see if I can get those, you know. It's that word thing again, right?
1: Yeah, no, it's important. It's important to use our words and uh Yes so I, I appreciate the words you shared with with me today i i really do um is there a place Thanks, for people is there a place for people to go to learn more about you bill i know dragcity.com is obviously one destination but where'd you send them anywhere else
0: yeah i think i would say uh well i have a general kind of website that's just bill mckay mckay with two a's so it's just bill and A C K A Y. yep uh just.com and it's i try to put a lot of uh general information up there and the discography that kind of thing but uh i've been lucky to do a bunch of um or a few a few i should say uh, rev interviews about the new album and there's uh there's a lot of sort of press stuff on that on that site okay too so those might be the, the best resources for now okay. i'm uh i think there's a little bit of a wikipedia page out there somewhere but uh it's uh, It was hard one. There was a, <laughs> there was an attempt to do a big, grand Wikipedia page for me. <laughs> right. And, and they can be real sticklers, you know? Oh, yeah. Maybe somebody there doesn't like you, and they're like, you, you have not been featured in the Berlin Times. You know,
1: you can't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah this, be, being verified in this world is very hard. It's like it's not, right. enough, not <laughs> enough to exist and make things. You have to be verified by some <laughs> internet gatekeeper that you'd never why why am i not wikipedia worthy give me a break
0: exactly right yeah, yeah yeah so but those are good good things and um yeah it was such a pleasure speaking with you thanks for taking the time oh it's it's absolutely talk my, with me
1: and my my pleasure bill but but before we go is there a song from either stir or Found fire that we can go out on would you pick one
0: oh yeah i'd love to um gosh let me see um Maybe it's up to you, but uh, I like <laughs> "Path to the Peak." Is it's up to me, I guess. <laughs> it, it is up to you. I put it, it in it your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like playing uh, playing handball here. Yeah. Um, I would uh, go with uh, "Path to the Peak" from the new one from Stir. Okay. With uh, me and Katinka. Any reason you pick that one? Well, you know, it seems like uh, it's funny. I guess maybe to pick the last song on something to go with, but it's uh, it uh, encapsulates to me some of the the varied. Things about the album that I love, you know, okay. it doesn't have a, maybe as much of the abrasion, but it's it has a, this a, kind of a lyrical quality to me that's uh, kind of bittersweet and and um, it just caps it in this way that's really appealing to me. And I think Katinka played great on it too. So I was, um, yeah, I think that would be a nice one.
1: Okay, that's that's good enough for me. This is Path to the Peak by Bill McKay uh, from his new collaborative record Stir. Uh, Bill, again, thank you so much for being on this show and thank you for your time and best of luck with everything going forward.
0: Uh, thanks. Same to you, Vish. Hope we can meet sometime uh, down the road.
1: Thank you very much to Bill McKay for appearing on this, the 505th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all podcast platforms, iOS, Android, Spotify, YouTube, Audio Boom, whatever you use, this podcast is there for you. But if you can't find an episode that you've heard about and are looking for on any of those platforms, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my semi-regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or follow me directly at vishkana. You can also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time, around the world at cfru.ca, or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM, if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please consider visiting patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. There are is a $6 tier, $6 and more or more gets you exclusive access to exclusive content from my audio archives, interviews I've done in the past, maybe the odd documentary I made. So that's all for anyone who pledges or donates rather, $6 or more. Again, go to patreon.com slash creative control to learn more about that. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in kind support for this show. Thanks as always to Jim Guthrie for lending me music to play on this show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And of course, last but not least, you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of this show and other episodes of the show, and subscribing to the podcast, and telling your friends that maybe they should do the same. All of that helps, and it means a lot. So thank you. I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.